Let's pray before we begin. Lord please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. To look up at the Texas sky as a boy. And I guess every child has done this, and surely every person has done it. But I used to look up at the Texas sky and I'd say, Lord, why am I here? What's it really all about? I've always been sort of a stargazer. I, to this day, honestly to this day, I still look up at the first star at night, try to find the first star at night when I'm out, and say, starlight, star bright, first star I've seen tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might have this wish, I wish tonight. I have been wishing for the same wish for 49 years, I've never got it yet, but uh, I, uh, I've often say, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. I used to look at those Texas stars, and of course the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Somebody ought to write a song about that sometime. <clears throat> but Texans think it's the national anthem, of course. But uh, I'd wonder, what, what's it all about? And you've done the same thing. Every person in this room today has wondered, why am I here? What's it all about? Well, thank God, now many years have passed and I know why I'm here. That's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> I know why God made me. I know His purpose. I know His will. And I know today, as sure as I'm standing behind this pulpit, that I am where God wants me to be. Sixteen years ago today, we left Texas to come to Indiana. In those days of decision, time and time again, I took in my arms a little five-year-old, little seven-year-old girl, Becky. A little five-year-old boy, David. And a little one-year-old girl, Linda. And I said, oh, God, if I make a mistake, I'll take those children out of your will. And the people they should marry. And the place they should live and the school they should attend, and even the vocation for their lives will not be in your will if I get out of your will. Let me tell you something, folks. I've learned something. I've learned the best place in the world to be is where God wants you. I wouldn't trade the sun at night that's big and bright deep in the heart of the Calumet region for the stars at night in Texas, honestly. You know why? Because this is God's will for my life. That's all that matters. Young people, you're going to find one of these days. All that matters is to be where He wants you to be. Young people, listen. All that matters 
is to do what he says to do. Only to be what he wants me to be every moment of every day. Yielded completely to Jesus alone every step of this pilgrim way. Just a bit clay in the potter's hands. Ready to do what his word commands. Only to be what he wants me to be every moment of every day. One of the saddest days of my life was the day we pointed that Oldsmobile toward Hammond and took off. I said, let me walk in the fields. He said, no, walk in the town. But I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but there's a crown. But I said, the air is thick. There's nothing but noise and din. He wept as he led me back. He said, there is more. There is sin. But I said, the sky is black and the fog is veiling the sun. He said, but souls are black and they walk in darkness undone. But I said, I'll miss the flowers. And my friends will miss me, they say. He said, my child, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they. I beg for more time to be given. He said, My child, is it hard to decide? It will not seem hard in heaven to have followed the steps of thy guide. So I took one look at the fields and cast my eye toward the town. He said, My child, won't you yield and exchange your flowers for a crown? So into his hand went mine, and into my heart came he. And now for sixteen years I've walked in a light divine that once I dreaded to see. I'd rather be today in the heart of Africa, riding a donkey, dodging snakes, running from wild beasts, and be in the will of God than to be in the balmy breezes of Hawaii outside the will of God. Nothing else much matters. He knows what's best. He knows what I need. He knows where I ought to be. And I'll say this morning, if ever a preacher in this world has found out the best place to be is the will of God. You're looking at him this morning. Why did God make me? <clears throat> well, in the first place, God made you for fellowship with himself. God wanted a creature, a creation, to love him, to fellowship with himself. No, God didn't make you for hell. No. God did not make you for hell. Ephesians 1 verse 12 says, He made you for the, for the praise of His glory. God made you to fellowship with Himself. God did not make hell for you. Matthew 25 41 says, Then shall He say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was made by God for the devil and his angels after they had sinned and were expelled from heaven and the courts of his praise. If you go to hell, you'll be an in, in, intruder. God didn't make hell for you. God didn't make you for hell. God, let me say this too. I preached last, last week in Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, at noontime in the downtown Captain Cook Hotel. Uh, you were there, weren't you, uh, Mrs. Uh, Hamilton? <coughs> we had a banquet. And uh, for the businessmen of the city, and 250 or 60 people crowded into the ballroom for a big banquet of the uh, 
Uh, I've been having fun this week. I've been to the ballroom of the Captain Cook. And uh, they crowded in, and a couple of judges were there, and some wealthy men were there. And I said then, I say again and again, God did not make you, but for one purpose, and that is God made you for himself. You folks that last night were out in this world in your nightclubs and your country clubs and drinking your liquor and living out like the heathen world lived. God didn't make you for that. God made you to fellowship with himself. God didn't make you to profane his name. God didn't make you to read trash and garbage. God didn't make you to watch things that dishonor him. God didn't make you to eat and drink and buy and sell and marry and give in marriage alone. God did not make you just to work eight hours a day and go home and eat your supper and spend some time with your family. The Almighty God of heaven looked down and said, I wish I had someone who could love someone like I love and someone who could choose with their own volition and will to love me and serve me and praise me. And God made me for that. I don't know about you, but I'm going to fulfill that purpose for which God made me. I was thinking last night, <coughs> if you live 70 years, three score and ten, you'll live 25,550 days, and any one of those days you could look up to God and receive Christ as your Savior and make it right with God. How tragic for a person to live 25,550 days and not even take one of those days to do the very thing that God made you to do. That means if you eat three meals a day, that'll be 76,650 meals you'll eat. And any one of those meals, you could look up to God before the meal and say, Oh, God, thou the great provider for my soul and my body and my life. Thou the great provider for all of my needs. I receive you through your Son as, as, as my Savior and my Lord. If you eat three meals a day, in the case of Brother Sully, um, It'd be 16,744,263. But uh, any one of those, you could have bowed your head and said, God, thank you for the food. But more than that, thank you for the living bread that came down from heaven. Thank you for the living water that came to satisfy the needs of all of God's people. I do receive Christ as my Savior. Any one of those, you could have done it. If you um, ate, work eight hours or 40 hours a week, you work 204,400 hours any moment while you're on the job. You could pause to realize the very strength that you have was given to you by God Almighty. You could have looked up to the God who gives you that strength and work to do and strength with which to do it and said, Thou the great God of heaven who gave Jesus Christ on the cross to save my soul, I receive you as my Savior. But to live and die if you sleep seven hours a night. First place, you're very fortunate. But in, in the second place, before you've gone to bed uh, or any time during 178,850 hours of sleeping, you could have looked up to God and said, Oh God, Thou who neither sleeps nor slumbers, Thou who encamps round about Your people every night, I receive You as my Lord and my Savior. It takes two seconds <clears throat> to pray the sinner's prayer. Two seconds to pray the sinner's prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you know how to be saved and you know, you know what that means and why you pray it, that means any minute that you'd look to God knowing that you're a sinner and knowing that Christ died for sinners and knowing that eternal life is yours through Christ and you'd look up and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <clears throat> In two seconds you could be saved. If you live three score and ten years or seventy years, 
you'll live 2,207,520 seconds, which means you've had uh, opportunity to pray the sinner's prayer 1,103,760,000 chances to look up and pray the sinner's prayer. What folly! What folly! What foolishness to live and die and never do the one thing that God made you to do. And instead of praising Him forever and rejoicing forever around His throne, you languish and suffer in the fires of eternal torment in a place God did not make for you, in a place God did not have you in mind when He made. God wants you to praise Him, love Him, serve Him forever. But you've got to take time somewhere along the trail to bow your heart and lift up your voice to God and say, Oh, God, I'm a sinner, and I know it, but Jesus died for sinners, thank God, and I receive Christ into my heart as my Savior, and thereby properly relate myself with you as my Heavenly Father. If you've never taken time to do that, do it today. Do it today. You've got to die. You've got to face God. You've got to live forever somewhere. Foolish is the man. Spends his life eating and buying and selling and working and sleeping. And never takes two seconds to look up to God and say, Oh God, I take your son as my own. There's a second purpose for your life. Not only is it purpose for you, God make you for fellowship with himself, but God made you to be at a particular place in his will. You have no right to live somewhere because of comfort. You have no right to live somewhere because you were raised or reared there. You have no right to live somewhere because you make money there. May I say this, and I want to underline this. You have no right in this world to live somewhere because your company transfers you there. None. <clears throat> Suppose I stood up this morning and I said, Folks, I'm resigning the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Hammond. Because some denominational leaders feel that I could do a better job over here in another city. And the bishops are transferring me. In the first place, that's poppycock. Holy Spirit's supposed to lead you, not some bishop somewhere. And But, but uh, if I said that, you'd say, what's gotten into our preacher? But I have just as much a right, just as much a right, to let some headquarters off in some distant city tell me where I ought to preach as you have to let some headquarters tell you in what town you ought to live. I mean, if your company wants to transfer you, that should not even have that much influence on where you live. I'd rather dig ditches in Hammond and be president of a company and be outside the will of God. I'd rather be a garbage collector in the will of God than be a bank president outside the will of God. I could stand here this morning and I could count name after name after name of people who've come to my office in, in the 16 years I've been pastor here. And they said, Brother Hiles, we left, the, we left the First Baptist Church in this city of Hammond. And, and of course, sometimes God does lead people to leave this area and leave this church. I've never known one, but I'm sure God will sometime. But God does lead. But I'm saying, if you go somewhere because the weather's nice or because the area's prettier because your loved ones live there or because you grew up there or because the company transfers you there. That's carnality. I've had dozens of people come, dozens come, and say, Pastor, we left the church. 
we, we, we left to go to another city, another state. The company transferred us. And pastor, we left the will of God for our lives. Our children became teenagers. And our lady said this week to me, she said, Oh, Brother Hiles, I knew I was leaving the will of God when I left. I knew God didn't want me to go, but I thought I could do it anywhere. And she said, My girl is going to the devil. She's on dope. She's living as a, almost as an immoral person outside of wedlock. And, uh, and my own daughter is going to the devil. Oh, she said, Would God, I had considered God's will, not my own. You have no right to live where you want to live. Did you hear what I said? You have no right to live where you want to live. You only have a right to look up to God Almighty and say, Thou the God of wisdom and Thou the omniscient God of heaven. You tell me where you want me to be and no other place do you have a right to be. Young folks oftentimes say to me, Pastor, yeah, it's my life. No, it's not your life. No, it's not your life. One young lady said, well, it's my life. I'll do what I want to it. You may do what you want to it, but it's not your life. My Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to Him. I have no right to decide where I live. There's a third reason why God made you and why God made me. There is some specific purpose for your existence. A little boy was born one day. How long he lived, we do not know. Where he lived, we do not know. The curtain was pulled on one little act of his life. One day he went to hear a famous man speak. Five thousand people were there to hear him speak. The little boy carried his lunch. And the curtain is pulled. That little boy walks up and gives to Andrew a lunch basket. And Andrew gives that lunch basket to Jesus. I'm convinced that that little boy came into the kingdom for such a time as that. There was a reason God wanted that little boy to live. And there's a reason God wants you to live. What is the purpose for your life? A little maid was born one day. <coughs> a little maid... Where she lived as a child, in what city, we do not know. What happened to her in her adult life, we do not know. How long she lived, we do not know. But one day, one day, one day, her mistress' husband had leprosy. The curtain was pulled and that little maid comes into the scene. We see her focused beautifully on the center stage. She says... Would God that my master could go to the prophet Elisha? And she pointed Naaman the leper to the man of God, Elisha. Naaman the leper went to Elisha, was dipped in, Jordan, dipped in Jordan seven times, and his leprosy was cleansed. And that little girl for which, whom God made, he made her for one day, one purpose, I think. Why? So one day she could say, Naaman, go to Elisha. As long as men read the Word of God and know this blessed book, they'll know that that little lady came for such a time as this. A little Jewish girl was born. <clears throat> Why she was born at the time, nobody knew. In what town she grew up, nobody knows. How old she was when she died, nobody knows. 
Her old age, about her old age, no one knows. All we know is at one time she saved the nation because she had the courage to go before the king and risk her own life. And Esther saved the entire Jewish nation because she came to the kingdom for such a time as this. An African little boy that was born in Africa one day, we did not know, no one knew why. What town he was raised, we did not know. The name of his mom and dad, we did not know. In fact, we only know one thing about him. We know one thing, that God made him to carry a cross up the hill for the suffering Savior. A little Jew was born one time. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was the chosen vessel to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. A little widow was... A little girl was born one day. She became a widow. And that little widow's life was lived, and, and she died. And there's only one thing we know about her. One day, with timid hands, she came and reached into her little purse and pulled out the only two coins she had, two little mites. She dropped those mites in the collection plate one Sunday morning or one day before the treasury of God. It made some of those mites made so much noise they've been heard around the world now for 2,000 years. Why? Because one little lady was so sensitive to God's will that she did the very thing for which God made her, and she accomplished the very purpose for her life. She gave two mites that all of us may know. An example of giving our all. I could go through people in this room today and talk about people in this room. I'm as sure that my mother was brought into this world as sure as I can be, was brought into this world so that she might bring my a preacher boy into this world and train him and try to rear him, teach him character, decency, so that God would use him to be a preacher. Into the home of my mother one time, the first baby was born. Mother was only a little, little girl. She likes to say she was older. She just Mother got married way too young. I think she was... Four and dad was seven. <clears throat> but anyway, she got married way too young. And uh, you asked her when Lorene was born. I first time I asked her when Lorene was born, mother said she was 17. And then I asked her how old she was later on. She said, I was 18. And then Erlene and I asked her one time, how old were you, mother? She said, I was 19. The other night she said she was 20. And uh, they called that lying where I came from. I, uh, but anyway, and a little lady taught me one time not to ever say anything like that. So it's untrue. But anyway... Little Lorraine came. Lorraine only lived seven years. Only seven years. By the way, she never talked. She never said mommy. She never said daddy. Now listen to me. She never got out of bed. She lay on her back for seven years, an afflicted, retarded child. And for seven years, my mother sat beside her bed couldn't go outside the room and, or outside the house and sat beside her for seven years. Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Why did God put little Lorene there? Because God wanted a little 17 or 18-year-old girl to walk with him and lean upon him so she could walk with him so someday she could give birth to a son and she could teach that son how to walk with God Almighty. And I've thought 10,000 times I'd hate for a seven year, a girl to never walk or talk and never get out of bed and fulfill more the purpose of God for her life than I do. And some of you young people this morning, listen to me. Two arms, two good legs, you can run and walk and play and talk and reason and see 
and yet you're 16 or 17 years old, and you've not done as much for God as my little seven-year-old sister did who never walked or talked or got out of bed. How foolish. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. You were made by God. And God made you with a purpose. God has a reason for your being here. In God's name, find it and fulfill it. I was on the airplane coming back from Alaska. I was thinking about this subject. I wrote these words. I hope you listen carefully. A little star at heaven's dawn was thrown out into space. Was made to fill a heaven's yawn at God's appointed place. No mortal eye surveyed the sky to note this planet's grace. The little star just shined afar to bless the human race. No twinkle, twinkle little star was told to this faithful light. Told this faithful light. No, how I wonder what you are was said to it at night. No, up above the world so high was heard from those below. No lack of diamond in the sky was spoken of its glow. For centuries, decades, years, and days, it quietly served the sky. It never knew a scopic gaze from any mortal eye. Content it was to be a part of God's perfected plan that it might join a billion more to bring delight to man. Till one glad day it heard God say, Come over here, my star! Tis now your right to show a light to wise men from afar. You faithful been to now from then, though praise you've never won. Tonight you'll tell where air men dwell the coming of my son. Dear faithful one, your race is run, and ne'er did shine amiss, but you, mine own, have only shone for such a night as this. A raven bird had often heard that it was not so nice as birds of love, like turtle doves, to be a sacrifice. Till one bright day he heard God say, I need a prophet fed. Fly down with grace to chosen place and feed Elijah bread. He on his way this chosen day escaped the serpent's hiss, for he well knew he only flew for such a time as this. Captain Naaman's wife, Though oft sweetly shown the purpose of her life, the stuff. Yet in her in her humble way, she spake the word her mistress heard and used to point the way to God's dear man, whose mighty hand made Captain Naaman whole. She in one hour with spirit power had helped to save his soul. Her twenty words, when rightly heard, proved to this little miss that she had come so far from home for such a time as this. A little lass hid in a mass of flags beside the Nile and uttered words the princess heard that spared the proper child. A little boy. Looks like I missed a little bit of this poem somewhere here. A little boy with dampened joy gave up his fish and bread because he gave his all to God, five thousand souls were fed. He slipped into the hazy blue as quickly as he came. This little lad so quickly fled, we didn't get his name. While Jesus viewed the multitude, he joined the lengthy list of little boys who give us joys 
in such a time as this. An angry king vowed he would bring soon death to all the Jews, till God looked down and quickly found an orphan he could use. With courage rare, this maiden fair stood firm before the throne to intercede for those in need and save her very own. No family tree or pedigree were hers to claim with pride, just purity with bended knee and no dark past to hide. The curtain falls, the father calls, an act, one act is all the play. Her cause for birth, her life on earth, was wrapped in one great day. In heaven now her head doth bow, she stops to reminisce that God did make her for his sake for such a time as this. A little me once came to be, Lord, may I soon know why. May I please know thy will below. I'll hover oh so nigh to surely find thy will, not mine. Oh, God, don't let me miss thy perfect plan for my lifespan, my such a time as this. God has a reason for me. I want to fulfill that reason. I was thinking last night. I'd gotten a few nasty letters this week, and I guess I can understand why a little bit. I was thinking last night how unpopular I am. Sort of wishing folks could see inside, you know, sometime. See what you feel. And I got to thinking, thank God, thank God, I'm in His will. I'm what He wants me to be. I'm not all I ought to be, but I'm where He wants me to be. I'm doing what He wants me to do. I mean, there's a reason for my being alive. I'm not going to live and die and not even know it and do it. Last night, 12.30. <laughs> For an hour and a half, I've been on the phone with a boy I love. I've been on the telephone pleading with him to go back to his mom and dad. Some dirty hands had gotten on him and given him the mar uh, uh, marijuana, touch of marijuana, smoke a pot. And may I say, tis not your friend that leads you to that kind of garbage. <clears throat> The hands of a dirty woman had gotten him and spotted his garments. Some wicked man had taken, make, make his living producing and selling alcoholic beverage, and that had gotten him. And I loved the kid, and I pleaded with him and cried with him and begged him. But the snare had already gathered around him. There was nothing I could do. I hung up the phone, looked up to heaven, said, Thank you, Dr. Rutherford. Thank you, Dr. Rutherford. You taught me in Sunday school when I was a boy, and you taught me to be right and live right. Thank you, Doc! Thank you, Sam Montgomery. That old one-armed man, businessman, had one arm beside all the time and a black glove on it. But he stood before me in Sunday school with an open Bible. He taught me decency. 
He taught me what was right and what was wrong. And he cried while he taught and begged us to live in God's will. I said, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Mr. Montgomery. Thank you, Proctor Boyd. My Sunday school teacher, when I was 17, I can see that godly man standing with his Bible open Sunday after Sunday, tears streaming down his cheeks, begging us young people to live for God and be decent and to serve the Lord and be in the will of God. And I call name after name after name. Thank you! Thank you, Mrs. Smith! Thank you, Mr. Atwood! Thank you, Mr. Squires! Thank you, Mrs. Bethel! Thank you, Sam Montgomery! Thank you, Proctor Boyd! Thank you, Mrs. Skeeter! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you that you taught me that the big, most important thing in life is to live in and believe in the will of God. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And you will never be sad or sorry if you live in His will. For God has a reason for your life. Who knows that you've been brought to the kingdom such a time as this. Let us pray. Father, it's getting tougher all the time to convince kids of this. Television's getting so sorry and rotten. Newspapers have filthy words in them. It's just getting tougher all the time. You know I try harder than I ever tried before. And yet it seems like so many slip through my fingers. Oh, my God in heaven, reach out and grab the soul of every member of this church and help us to have a new dedication and reaffirmation just to fulfill your purpose for our existence. Only to be what you want us to be every moment of every day. Yielded completely to Jesus alone every step of this pilgrim way. Just a bit clay in the potter's hands, ready to do what his word commands. Only to be what you want us to be every moment of every day. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Christian friend, are you where he wants you to be today? Are you doing what He wants you to do today? Have you found the purpose for which God made you? Then fulfill it. Fulfill it. Oh, especially young friend, in God's name, don't you listen to the lies of a pagan, heathen, wretched, miserable world. If they had the joy they claimed to have, they wouldn't have to smoke marijuana to escape reality. They had the joy they claimed to have. They wouldn't have to have a martini to escape reality. Now I'd like for you, every person in the house now to draw a ring around yourself. <clears throat> Just draw a little circle around yourself. I want to ask you a question. You don't, don't answer it to me, but answer it to yourself. Why did God make you? Why did God make you?
Huh? Huh? Are you fulfilling it? I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, I'm a Christian, but I'm not in the perfect will of God for my life. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? All over the building, all over the building, all over the building. You may lower your hands. God bless you. Now, the saddest thing of all is for a person to live and die and never properly relate himself with his God. The saddest thing of all is for a person to live and die and never make provisions to die and live forever. How many of you would say, Brother Hiles, <clears throat> though I may or may not be what I ought to be, I have been born again. My name is written in heaven, and if I died right now, I'd go there, and I know it, bless God. Would you lift your hand, please? All over the building. All over the building. Keep them up, please. If your hand is down now, there's something better than what you have. That something is Jesus. You can put your hand down. <clears throat> I wonder with heads bowed. I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, I couldn't raise my hand, but I wish I could. I know that God wants me for himself. And I know that God made me for himself. I do not know that I've been born again, but I wish I did. I do not know that I'm going to heaven if I died today, but I wish I did. First on the lower floor, how many would raise your hand very quietly with heads bowed and eyes closed and say, pray for me. I'm not right with God as far as my soul's concerned, but I want to know that I'm saved. Pray for me. Lift your hand, please, on the lower floor. Just raise it way up high. Way up high. God bless you. And God bless you. And God bless you. And on my left, God bless you, little lady. And God bless you. And yes. And back in the back, a lady. God bless you, dear lady. God love you. Who else on the lower floor? You'd say, pray for me. God bless you, little one. And God bless you, sir. Who else on the lower floor? Pray for me. God bless you back in the back. God bless you, fellow. I see your hand. God bless you. Who else on the lower floor? You'd say, include me in the prayer. I don't know that I'm ready to die, but I want to know it. I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I wish I did. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand? God bless you. Yes, and God bless you. I see you. Who else? On the lower floor. Quickly, would you lift your hand? Yes, God bless you. Who else? Let's go to the balcony. Who up in the balcony would say, include me in the prayer? I don't know that I'm ready to meet God, but I wish I did. Pray for me. God bless you, and God bless you. Who else? God bless you, lady. God love you. Who else in the balcony? Pray for me. I don't know that I'm ready to die, but I wish I did. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? May I see it? May I see it? Who else upstairs? Quickly, would you lift your hand? Now back to the main floor. Who else would say, Brother Hiles, pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved, but I wish I did. Pray for me on the main floor. God bless you, fella, and God bless you. Who else quickly? Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, those who raised your hands, would you do this right now? No, I'm not going to ask you to be a Baptist. No. I'm not going to ask you to join anything except Jesus. How would you right where you are? Would you say this from your heart and mean it? Say it silently, but mean it. Say it, lady. Say it, man. Say it, teenager. Say it, child. Say it and mean it. Say these words to God. Dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner.
said, Dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save my soul. I do now receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Would you say it? Now, in a moment, we're going to stand and sing. When we do, we want to show you further what it means to receive Christ. We have some people who are experts in showing you how to go to heaven. They're trained to show you the way to heaven. If you want to know that you're going there, you can know. They'll take a Bible and show you here at the altar how you can go to heaven when you die. So if you raised your hand or if you should have and did not, I want you when we stand and sing in just a few minutes to leave your seat and come toward the aisle. I want you to come down the nearest aisle to the front and let us show you how you can go to heaven when you die. You sit with the house. There's such a big crowd here. It would be embarrassing. Not near as embarrassing as it will to stand before God and all the people of all the ages unprepared one of these days. So you come today. If you've been saved and have not yet obeyed Christ and believers' baptism, then you come. If you feel that God wants you to serve us, serve Him with us here at First Baptist, then you come. But by all means, if you do not know that your name is in heaven, you come this morning and properly relate yourself with your Creator through faith in His Son and His death on Calvary. Father, bless the invitation. Crown it with power and glory. O oh, God, do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and if you liked this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.